welcome to Listoff. I'm Ozzy. And I'm Nat. And this week, we'll be counting down our top five fictional invertebrates. <laughs> right. And this is a... So my daughter, my youngest daughter, who is four, mm-hmm. said, can you do top five mini beasts? And I was mm-hmm. like, no. Yeah. I was unfamiliar with the term mini beast. I think it's a modern... It's a modern a primary modern... school thing so instead of just doing insects you include like snugs and snails basically and spiders and because you know otherwise you're doing insects oh it doesn't include spiders and you go yeah it does i mean it doesn't but it's like tomato vegetable thing again exactly and so mini beasts is a way of saying we'll just do all the little things that we can have in the classroom you know yeah um, it's a great word as well, mini beasts i think but well done when we looked it up when we looked it up we found that it was quite poorly defined really mm-hmm. as a site it's not a scientific term because it's just saying oh no it was just invertebrates that are small and where do you draw the line so instead we decided to do invertebrates and then mm-hmm. then we said let's do fictional invertebrates yeah but it was a bit of a excuse the joke can of worms for me sure because there's a lot of invertebrates oh yeah there's loads of invertebrates. i mean it's about half the animals in the world or something more than half sure fictional mollusks might have been quite good we've done it so it can be quite far but it, it was like i think it gives you or gave me certainly quite a neat uh yeah i mean a lot of mine could be fictional mini beasts as well you know it's um uh is that would that be a one i would say probably isn't probably is arguably a mini beast but you'll find out about that soon one of mine's huge but, uh, and two of mine are huge, actually. But um, yeah, I mean, you didn't lose a lot by, uh, you didn't gain a lot by uh, expanding beyond yeah. mini beasts. I thought I'd have loads of, I'll tell you at the end, but there's a couple of animals I was like, I'm totally going to have them in. And if it was just top five invertebrates, I mean, I just want to say, I'd be octopus number one all day long. But fictional <laughs> octopi, octopi just don't quite, they don't quite cut it for me. So, the list was a surprise to me in a way. So discover something about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But I, I reckon I've got, there's millions of these and I'm sure given more time and thought you could think of some really good ones. Mm. If anyone has a favorite yeah. fictional sponge worm, I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> I think, I don't know. I hope none of mine are too controversial, but I'm pleased with my answers. Who's going to start? I think I'll start us off. My number five is huge. It's Mothra, the giant kaiju moth or moth larvae from the Godzilla movies. Second only to Godzilla in total number of movie appearances. She is generally a she is accompanied by two singing twins who are tiny and they sing and she comes, they sing Mothra and then she comes and, and rescues them. But when I say rescues them, she just blows the whole city away. She just flaps her wings and it makes everything disappear. And she makes a really cool noise when she's flying around. She's not so cool when she's in her larvae form. That's weird. Mm-hmm. She just does a kind of invisible laser from her little incisors or whatever they are, the little weird mouth things. Not a very big mm-hmm. fan of larvae grubs. I find them really scary and creepy. So I definitely prefer Moffa when she's flying around with her wings. 
I, I always think I like Godzilla and the sort of Monster Island characters mm. in the same way. Like, I feel like I'm a real casual about it. Right, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm... In, the, in a way that a lot of people like stuff now and you go, you don't really like that. But I guess you've got a yeah. T-shirt or whatever. Like I, like, I really love all of the the concepts of it. Mm -hmm. And I get really excited when I see clips and I go, that seems really cool. All the all the monster designs I think are great. Love the idea of Godzilla. Um, always kind of look forward to it. Whenever I watch a Godzilla movie, I get bored. Yeah. I have this thing where I go like and the ego, these are like two and a half hours. Yeah. And the plots are much more like someone's come from the future. There's some people from the future who have come. And it's like, wait, why does this impact when the two guys are gonna have a fight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I love his fire breathing. I like stuff. the issue of casual. I like the 50s, 60s, the early, early ones, and then the 70s ones, which are the real fan ones, the real schlocky ones, 70s and 80s ones. Yeah, I find them a bit. They're they're too boring. They're too boring. And and I don't know. I I really have tried with them, but like, and I love the because also there's so much about it which I just go. It looks like it's so much up my street. I think I I think rather than sit down and watch one, I liked it best when you you won't have the same experience. But like you could often go to like a a hip hop club or something in the in the late nineties, and there'd be a DJ playing some some tunes and everybody'd be dancing, or more likely everybody'd be standing around the wall, and a couple of people be dancing. But on the screen behind, they'd be showing like, you know, yeah king of monsters or they'd be showing like megalon or something you know king Ghidorah. yeah i mean that's kind of what you want i think yeah and then it's great it's like there's this cool visuals but every time you look around there's something cool happening on the screen and if there's not you just turn back around and keep chatting to your friend or whatever and mm. listening to the music but that it's it's just they're incredibly incredible visually but the music in them is fantastic mm. that's everything i've got like godzilla film soundtracks and the best ofs that they did in japan are just fantastic there's so many great bits of um i've forgotten the name of the composer of bollocks um fantastic music and uh mothra has a good theme that comes back and i love that about those films is that they they reprise these themes for decades you know what i mean and they they you know it's frustrating to me that you get something like batman right and then you have like the 60s Batman tune and then you have the Danny Elfman Batman with the Tim Burton ones theme tune. And now mm. they have new Batman theme tunes. And it's like, what, you haven't settled on a Batman tune for all that time. <laughs> Whereas in Godzilla, it's like, oh, here comes King Ghidorah. We'll play the King Ghidorah theme, you know? Of course it should be that. You, that's how you... It's like, you know, Star Wars has got it figured out. They'll be like, oh, we're making some allusion to Darth Vader. Or to Anakin Skywalker, so it'll be like a bit of the Imperial March, you know? And it'll just throw that in a little bit. That's what Godzilla series does brilliantly, and so many other series totally fail to do. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like Godzilla as much as the next man, but I feel like I like Godzilla as much as the next man. Yeah. It's not, like not it's the like, big fan. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, I'm not a big fan. I couldn't claim Godzilla, but I really like it. Not to say I wouldn't. You know, it's the kind of thing I'd probably be like when people have band T-shirts for things that bands that they don't really like or whatever. Yeah. It's that sort of thing with me where I could I could happily have a Godzilla T-shirt and go like Godzilla. Yeah, I like the whole culture of it. But, but you, when I go, oh, I'm going to watch this film, then I'll be like after 20 minutes, I'm kind of uh, bored. 
but is used the equivalent of the kid in the Primark Ramones shirt. Exactly. Exactly that with me. So while we're talking I about respect it. We're talking about invertebrates and the Godzilla films. Also, Megalon is a big beetle. Really funny looking. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Megalon should be mentioned here as well. But Mothra, it's hilarious, a giant moth. That's hilarious. You know? It's and and, and she really is one of the biggest ones. And I, I saw a thing saying that um she was the most popular character with women in Japan right. from from polling because they were like, oh yeah, she's a female one. So I like that. Even when it's a giant city destroying moth, it's like yeah, oh, and it's a great visual. Great visual. Yeah, it's visual. <laughs> a silk moth. If anyone's keeping track, that's roughly what mothra is. <laughs> I think we should bring in the real invertebrates. You know, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um... My number five is Squidly Diddly, uh, the Hanna-Barbera character Squidly Diddly, who by his name suggests a squid, but definitely appears to be an octopus. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and an octopus, as we were saying, isn't technically like a mini beast, but it's still being invertebrate. So either way. King of yeah, invertebrates. Yeah, very much in that way he is. And uh, Squidly Diddly is a musical... Uh, octopus he plays various instruments probably most famous for playing the drums uh with multiple multiple sticks and drum kits yeah. um he is uh part of the hanna-barbera stable in in the cartoons his cartoon apparently this is in the states i don't know if this necessarily uh was the same here was part of the atomant secret squirrel show so he was like a segment in it yeah i think we got some of those separate I don't remember those so much, but I remember I don't put them uh, Squidly Diddlies. Yeah. Um, and he lived in uh, Bubble Land. That's like a sort of sea park. And the idea that's kind of weird about it now is that he's captive. He don't want to be there. It's, you know, it's the 60s. He wants to be a famous uh, musician. He wants to yeah. be like, uh, he wants to be in the Beatles or yeah. something. He wants to join a band. So his, his thing is it, he's, he wants to escape the sea park. But the tragedy, the tragedy of Squidly Diddly is that people are scared of him. So when he escapes, he's an escaped octopus. People are scared. And often he will return to bubble. He will put himself back into captivity rather than face the fears of man, who is probably the greatest enemy of all, famously. Yeah. He's got kind Man. of Stockholm syndrome. Um, he hasn't, he hasn't, you know, he's like one of those, he's one of those uh, characters. I think kind of, I think he's got such a nice visual. I think he kind of stays with you more than a lot of the Hanna-Barbera guys. Yeah, because I don't think they used him later. Like, whereas Ataman, who I don't remember really seeing his own cartoons, but he was in Yogi's Treasure Hunt years later. Yeah, well, well, yeah, uh, they, ha like, he has shown up, but often in, like, um, guest appearances. Yeah. But he has been in uh he was his original series 65 66 then he was in um yogi's gang 1973 which is one i don't remember at all no. yogi's treasure hunt 1985 he appeared in he appeared in 1991's yo yogi i don't remember that i don't know if he got Sounds those of its time yeah um he was in harvey birdman attorney at law uh in an episode of that he cameoed in an episode of wacky races he is appearing in the upcoming uh, cartoon Jellystone, which hasn't started yet. And apparently 
he uh, he's in the the 2020 film Scoob, which I think is a CGI Scooby Doo film, where Bubble Land is promoted in quite a nice kind of world building way, mm-hmm. in lots of kind of on like uh, billboards and oh, things. Oh, nice! That's so nice. it's sort of he's sort of cameoed in that That's as nice. if Bubble Land is, but tragically it does mean he has been in captivity now for 60 odd years so there is a tragedy element to it and he had chief winchley who i guess is the kind of officer dibble antagonist to him is always trying to get him back but essentially this it's almost like a free willy story he's just trying to you don't want to be in like the sort of sea world type place he wants to get out he's not treated badly but he just wants to go out and uh, play some instruments somewhere if you were going to make it into a live action movie like free willy you'd have to call it eight willy yes Sorry, um, I'm never gonna Google um, Yogi's gang. I'm just gonna imagine it's a '70s gang gang <laughs> film, with, like the Warriors, like the Warriors, but with Hanna Barbera characters, like and they're and they're all the different ones are in different gangs, and they all meet up and have mm. scra- scraps in like Central Park. That's what I would imagine. That. Brilliant. I'd watch the heck out of that. I like Squidly Diddly much more than his brother P Diddly. The uh, rap mogul as well. <laughs> Perhaps in the modern version of that, they would probably have a P. Diddley character who's also working in the music industry. Yep. You know, writes itself. Yeah. Or if anyone wants me to write a Squidly Diddley cartoon, I'll, <laughs> Squiddly I'll, take, Diddly that. I'll take that check. Yeah. I'd yeah. write the Squidly Diddley movie all day long. Yep. <laughs> My number four is Heimlich. Heimlich is the very corpulent German caterpillar from A Bug's Life. Right. Um, who, he just eats all the food and he's huge and he's like a, you know, like a hilarious fat German character, which is a stereotype that is in a lot of American films, especially. I don't feel like we have sure. that stereotype over here. We have other stereotypes. For no, well, yeah, but I guess, you know, you've got Augustus Gloop, yeah. haven't we? And that's Roald Dahl, so I guess that's... Uh... He's in the movies, but I guess that's an English. So maybe it's like an old stereotype that's become outdated. Maybe, Maybe. but like, he's a funny character. He was always saying how he's going to become a butterfly. And then at the very end of the film, spoilers, he does go in a cocoon, come out. He's exactly the same, but he's brought two tiny wings off his back. And uh, to make him feel like he's really a a beautiful butterfly, the, uh, the other characters all pick the flying ones pick him up and make him fly while he flaps his wing and they go it's almost like you're flying and he goes i am flying and from here you look like ants which is one of the best <laughs> lines in the film because uh, they are ants and uh yeah, yeah he's, he's a good character he also makes cameos in a number of other pixar films uh just like very small cameos he's in like toy story 2 uh on a on a blade of grass when they're like pushing ah. from, overgrowth and he's like there like tiny yeah i think he's lovely i think he's in a few um great yeah great stupid cartoon character with stereotype but by far my favorite caterpillar i think from uh wow is that true very hungry caterpillar is a good caterpillar i don't know sure heimlich he's good number four my number four is the very hungry caterpillar no way you betcha um Again, because it's a great visual. Again, a caterpillar who likes to eat loads of food. Why does he want to eat all this food? Because he wants to cocoon himself 
and become a caterpillar. Uh, uh, no, become a butterfly. And illustrated. But become a butterfly. Sorry, yeah, of course. Uh, written and illustrated by Eric Carl, nineteen sixty nine. Such an incredible looking book. It's what, like you know, it's something that appeals to my childlike eye. It's one of those things where often you can get very designy books. And they look great. And as an adult, you go, oh, wicked book. Oh, I love that book. Mm. That looks so great. Um, but you kind of know in your heart of hearts, if you go to a kid, they probably would be like, oh, it kind of looks a bit weird. doesn't necessarily appeal to me. Yeah. Whereas I think there's something about that style which works both graphically as a piece of design and it also totally works for you as a kid. And um, the whole way the book was put together, that he had the idea that he wanted to have the holes in the pages and mm. things. And at the time, no one could do it. And so they had to be printed in Japan initially just to go like they were like, yeah, we can do this, which often seems that I think in lots of kind of printmaking, it does seem to be that the Japanese are kind of miles ahead. Yeah. And they're like, sure, we can just do that. We can do anything. Um, and um, yeah, I just think it's one of those kind of wonderful. And again, one that I think was sort of, there was that kind of thing, wasn't there, uh, a few years ago where was it uh, George W. Bush said it was his favorite book and everyone laughed at him. Hmm. And I remember going, I mean, it's a pretty good book, though, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, I is. know it's a kid's book and it was used used to knock him. Hmm. But you go, I mean, to be fair, it's a pretty good book. And it's, you know, again, it has that very sort of sweet children's book. It's a genuine classic and is about something Yeah, and has that, you know. And, and as well as that, it also has, you know, a big caterpillar going, you know, eating a whole apple or whatever, going through through an apple. And it's that, and the various kind of things they've put on it. It's it's one of those things as well that I, I always think adapts very well to merch. When you see merch, you yeah. always go, I do like the look of that. It's, very hungry caterpillar. It's it's you know it's in every bookshop still. You know, there's there's a there's a there's a few books that are going to always be carried in all bookshops, pretty much. You mm. know, and that's of the kids books and that's absolutely one of them and you know eric carl did loads of books we've got a few of his other books mm. and stuff and they all have that same look and he's very good at it but that's where he hit the hit the jackpot you know what i mean i think you're right the die yeah. cut holes and stuff is fantastic when you're a little kid you can wiggle your finger through them you know and also it's that kind of yeah flipping it around kids, through the pages kids love turning the pages you know you can get it as a board book um so they can't destroy it when they're really little and they, when they just really like turning the pages and they have the, you know, the shorter pages in the middle. So that on that, on the page where he, he eats through everything, you know, or, and that I always found that page where he eats all the, all the, all the crazy stuff, you know, he eats some fruit, you know, whatever, four plums, whatever it is. And he goes up through them and then he has the page where he eats like a sausage, a lollipop, a piece of pie, all those things. They always look like so tasty. You know, they were like, mm. he just drew them. So you'd be like, yeah, I want to eat a hole in a lollipop and a piece of pie. And a, it, it's just, it's like one of those books that's just solid in your mind. You know what I mean? Like the, all the things mm. are, it's very stylized, but they're also totally real. Yeah. And sort of like revolutionary as well. That kind of, they have the idea like, I want holes in it. We yeah. can't really do that. We'll just find a way to make, make it work. We'll just work out how we make this book it's like yeah and like so also like as an object it's that thing again where you know when people in the year of kindles and things and now i think to sort of i think bookshops um 
I was talking about this someone last night that it's almost like all books now like a standard book kind of looks pretty all books are almost made to be presents mm. so like a, a hardback now is always kind of going to look nice because they know it has to be an object to to work against people that would rather have it on a kindle right because the people kinda... who have no aesthetic interest in it are just just going to get the kindle version right so so yeah. they're not a market anymore the only people no. that are buying physical objects like that are the people that want a nice one so you can't yeah. put out your crap looking one anymore it's not a thing yeah and i i think it's actually been a real boom for bookshops and often it makes that that thing really pretty where you just go oh that's a nice idea yeah you know there's there's a thing where you just buy an edition of something because it's got a nice cover or something you go oh yeah well i like that um you know they have different illustrators they reissue things with different different covers now um and, the, and it is it's that kind of it's books like that that really um kind of create those kind of markets and i think things like you know certainly people aware of it in working in bookshops for years that it is that there is something about the aesthetic now that is does seem to be trying to counter that mm. and i think it's great and it makes it you know it's another it's another nice thing why you all visit a bookshop because you like to pick up nice objects and have a look at it there's a thing i've got i got a thing uh they published recently that was 1984 but it's nice and you pick it up it's a penguin classic so you've got the orange band mm. but the uh you know it's george orwell but every time it's got the title it's blacked out it's re redacted blacked yeah out. or redacted and yeah. you go nice you know what book it is yeah. and it doesn't tell you great idea yeah it's is. just that stuff like that it feels like it just feels like publishers have had to up their game yeah and good and i think it's books like very hungry caterpillar that really kind of uh, are the sort of pioneers yeah they'll push things forward by like five ten years whereas things inch forward and then you get big book, uh, books like that that just push it forward great stuff great caterpillar great great butterfly too it's a very nice butterfly when it turns into a butterfly lovely yeah my my kids just always loved that that last page you know he'd become a beautiful butterfly it's like and the trick to becoming a beautiful butterfly was just eating some nice plain leaves do you remember that was the trick so it's a message about gluttony which we could probably uh we could probably take something from my number three is charlotte a kovatica from charlotte's web by eb white now i haven't read i had charlotte's web read to me as a kid with my sister um, would have read it to us and then i saw the f the, the animated film um the they've done another one since but i mean it's sort of like 80s you know cell, cell yeah. animation one um which is not a spectacular film but it's nice enough and that sticks in my mind but I, i'm a big fan of kids books kids stories that deal with serious and tricky issues and stuff and i think charlotte's web is one of the absolute best books for kids about death and and life cycles and you know the, the way that uh this spider looks after the pig and then he kind of grows up and uh is able to then when she dies which she's very sanguine about look look after keeping an eye on her many babies that hatch from her her mm. her, her nest yeah it's a it's it's really touching i think it's one of the books that makes kids cry but you know it's coming because there's a sort of sadness and a, you know because the p 
pig is ruminating on death all the time and being turned into sausages and bacon and stuff. It's a, I guess it's one of those kind of like a vegetarian conversion books in a way, but it's not, it's not just about that because it's the spider that, that dies and yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's good stuff. I would say it's probably a good time to say my number three is also Charlotte, a, uh, Calvetica, uh, uh, for exactly the same reason. I think it's a book that really pulls on the heart. Everything about it is kind of, it, there's a real sense of threat in the whole book. Yeah, really. And there's an idea of like, it starts off where Wilbur is the runt and he's a tiny, Yeah. he's an, he's an animal who might not live. And it's a sort of, he might not make it. Yeah. He makes it. And then, He's then as soon as he kind of gets big enough, it's like, oh, you're big enough now. We could probably like kill you then. Yeah. So there's like the threat of death is like a specter over the whole thing. And it does teach kids about death. I think a lot of it isn't, I don't know if it's, but maybe you're right. Maybe it is. I wasn't, I never thought of it as like a, a thing that's sort of vegetarian kind of almost pushing that idea. I thought that part of the idea that he might be bred to die mm. is almost part of there's a kind of element to it which is really uh it's really on the nose mm. it's really saying sausages that's that pig uh death is and it's partly um charlotte who's a character who is saying you are gonna die yeah but it might not be like and her job is almost to be like that you're not gonna die tomorrow yeah and it's sort of, I think it's sort of about celebrating life. Yeah. By, by having a specter of death, by saying, you're going to be alive today and you're going to be alive tomorrow. And I'm going to help you do that. And it is incredibly sad, like at the end when, but it is that she's not, she's kind of accepted it. And she's telling him and the things and she's eating uh, flies mm. and saying, the fly's dead. Yeah. You know, I've killed the fly. You know, I, I'm eating the fly. Things have to die to, to um, for things to live, and it's that sort of. So I don't, I don't think of it necessarily as like a vegetarian. No, thing. it's it, almost it like right. it's almost like it's almost like get used to it, kids. Yeah, and but, people die. <laughs> yeah, it's such a it's such a strong thing because I I but in the last year, my my eldest who's six, she about a year ago, she was she was talking about death. And she was sort of, you know, we we're talking about old people dying and stuff. And she was kind of like, you know, so, you know, she, I think she said, you know, so, would, you know, would, would granny and gramps die sort of thing? And I was like, yeah, they'll die. You know, we'll, we'll all die. You know, you don't want to bullshit them, you know? So, you know, she, and so she, and, you know, and she was like, will you die? And I was like, yeah, I'll die one day, you know, I was like, hopefully after a long life, you know? thing she was like and then she had you could just see her face go and she went and her, and her voice cracked and she had a little tear coming then like a little like her bottom lip went and she went will i die and i was like yeah you will but the thing is you're gonna live first you know the, 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 you know it's the living that's the thing you know i think that's it i think wilbur's so afraid of the concept of death that he's not he's not living and the other tragic thing is what in the spiders when 
when um, Charlotte's kind of eggs hatch, that a lot of them just run away. Yeah. They're not interested in staying in a barn. But there were always, as it says, as always, some of the spiders, sometimes their children, some of them always go away, but some of them will always stay in the barn. So he's always going to have someone to talk to. Yeah. Great night, great book, great book. The film's good as well. Well, certainly I hadn't seen the film for years. Hanna-Barbera doesn't suggest that the, the animation is super great. But certainly I do remember that film had a like, yeah, certainly had a big sort of impact on me as well. Um, yeah, I, I like and I like when when things like some pig, I always just find that kind of some pig, some pig always makes me laugh as a as a thing. Um, it's a kind of thing that, you know, uh, that feels like it's a nice thing, like it'd be like if I do another show for Edinburgh some pig might would make a list of like <laughs> that's a good name for frank good title some pig because the guy even um, right that wrote it he you know he also wrote Stuart little i mean this is a seriously successful children's author mm. incredible really just to come up with two mm. stories you know like it's 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 bonkers yeah great one great invertebrate top invertebrate <laughs> my number two is another mm -hmm. spider but whereas Charlotte is a, a lovely benevolent spider who teaches life lessons to a slightly morbidly obsessed pig, my number two is probably the most horrifying character to me in all of the works of uh, Funtime Guy, J.R.R. Tolkien, is Ungoliant, Ungoliant the Spider. And like, so Ungoliant is in the Silmarillion, so... You know, for all the people that read the Silmarillion, they'll be going, yeah, all two of them. Um, she's like the, and she's the mother of, of, of Shelob, the spider in, in the Lord of the Rings. But she's like as older than the world. And uh, her, yeah, her name is Cinderin for dark spider, but she's like, she's like a force of darkness. She can like suck the light out of things. She just, she, she exudes darkness, you know, everywhere she goes there's darkness pervading the world. He's just, it's this horrific, huge, huge spider, like, you know, like the size of a house, bigger, you know? And all the descriptions are horrible. And she kind of makes pacts with, with Melkor, who becomes Morgoth, the kind of ultimate bad guy, who's like, you know, sour on the bad guy in Lord of the Rings is just like a, uh, he was just a little minor underling of, of, of Morgoth. And she's like goes toe to toe with with Morgoth. She attacks him, and uh, she, yeah, she's he he betrays her, and so she attacks him, and she just she just eats stuff up. She's absolutely horrible. And one thing Tolkien's great at is descriptions, and his descriptions of her are are horrible. And it's it's but it's such a great character. Because I I am a bit scared of spiders. Like I'm not a big fan. I will I will do spider duty around the house. You know, I put the spiders out, but I'd rather not. Like I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not a fan. I do find them scary. The way but you do put them out, which shows something. I'd probably, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd probably kill a spider. I mean, I've killed spiders. I'm just saying, like, I'll put it out if it's. I'm not saying. I'm not. I'm not... <laughs> I, I'll do both. Um, what it, I mean, okay. what I mean is, I'll take responsibility for spiders. You know, when they need sure. to be had. A spider in the bath, kids' bath time. I'm on the case, but I, big spiders. You know, Australian spiders, count me out. You know. Oh yeah, 
no oh yeah and i think this so, so if you're gonna no way if you're gonna make a character to scare me a spider is a good one you know so okay. yeah Angola. when you say she's older than the earth is she actually older than the middle is that the is she's there first before so before the forming of the no she don't she's older than the earth but she i think she's one of the few characters who are who are they, they they're kind of written as being like there before everything you know before everything okay. was made there's a kind of force uh okay and, and an elemental character and he yeah like i've just got a little passage here i'm not gonna read the whole passage but he says like he describes the unlight of Ungoliant. I like that. And he, and, and, uh, it's, it's just, it's just, it really, I have really pictures of this colossal spider. She, she, she eats up all these important things from the book as well. They have these trees that are important and these Silmarils that are important, all these things. She just eats them all and becomes bigger and more horrible. And then, and then eventually she's so hungry and, her hunger just grows and grows to the point where she devours herself. You know? Oh, lovely end. It's a hot, it's just a horrible character. I'm not a big horror person, but to me, like there's a Tolkien fan of stuff. Ungolian is like the, the, the most malevolent force in middle, in, in not middle earth, in, in, in Arda, the whole, not just middle earth, the whole of the, cause you know, just for the, oh, for yeah. the nerds out there. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't aware that Middle Earth. I suppose you'd have to exist in some sort of solar system or or universe. No, no, Middle Earth is just the middle of bit of the, of the of the planet. Oh, is that a planet? It's not even the whole. Oh, really? Yeah, Arda's the whole of the the whole of the. It's not even an Earth because it's a flat disk. Anyway, it's just you know, this serious nerd stuff. I can't. I don't want to put this on you. Sure. You're better off not knowing this I mean, stuff. But you're already. It's already a deep cut. It's a deep cut. Well, I say that there's probably some nerds going, uh, not really. Uh, <laughs> we'll be uh, trying to be. Fans know. Fans know. Yeah. My number two is Rock Lobster from the B 52 song. <laughs> Rob Lobster. <laughs> He's a Rock Lobster. Is he definitely and, uh, fictional? Well, yeah, because I was like, I, I saw, I, I was trying to look up things and that came and I went, no. And part of the reason he's on the list so high, or she, is because uh, I sort of thought, no, it isn't. But then, the more you think about it, I was going, I guess it is. It's not. I guess yeah. Rock Lobster. Yeah. It's like a, you know, they list f fictional and real marine life that appears on the beach there, and there's dogfish and catfish, and they're real things, but mainly it's about the Rock Lobster. So they are talking about a Rock Lobster. And we don't know. We're left to kind of interpret in our own minds what the rock lobster looks like. Uh, we, we describe, but it also has things. Uh, it has narwhals, real piranhas, real bikini whale. As mentioned, we don't know what that looks like, but uh, I, I presume a, a whale in a bikini. It's a funny idea, uh, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, I like the song "Rock Lobster." I think it's a good song. Does it it's tell us anything about the rock lobster? No, it just says it's there basically and where it's kind of popping up. You don't get you don't get a big backstory for it. Um it was uh it was there it was a B two single, it is also on their debut album. Apparently, John Lennon loved it so much and thought it sounded like something Yoko Ono would do. And apparently it says, it feels like a big claim here, 
that hearing the song on the radio made him uh, record the Double Fantasy album. Because he was like, yeah, that's the kind of thing we could do. We could do a thing <laughs> like Rock Lobster. But then did an album that was absolutely nothing like that. And absolutely nothing at all like that. And was probably really sort of saccharine kind of thing and didn't do didn't do what he set out to do at all absolutely failed lennon in trying to do something that was like rock lobster if that was the idea of what that was meant to be like he, he didn't achieve it at all <laughs> i i like rock lobster i think it's good mm. a lot of fun a lot of fun because love shack is one of my least favorite songs in the world and um i like to console myself with the fact that i like rock lobster you know it's the early stuff is quite good it's it's still annoying but it's like it's a good mm. sort of arch annoying you know yeah whereas it's it's kitsch and knowingly kitsch yeah. and that's something which there was like we probably had 12 years of when things were knowingly kitsch mm. and now people don't know what is and what isn't anymore no. and i think uh i think it's it's sullied now it doesn't really like that kind of kitsch culture doesn't really exist now because it's no it's like people don't really get it no, all these things don't really it, it, i don't know it's all sort of bled into oh, we're post post kitsch real life we're post kitsch yeah can't be post kitsch not, can't exist now can't exist now i've just had an idea that we might have the same number one i think it's possible we might have the same number one it's possible i think it is possible but there's a lot of invertebrates in the world, so you never know. Yeah, it's good. I mean, with so many invertebrates, it's always fun when we get some crossover. We've, got a crossover. we've already had, already had some crossover. They've been dovetailing. We've been, we've had caterpillars. We've gone for the same kind of things. I've got moth, caterpillar, spider, spider, and my number one is a worm. Sadly, it's not not a crossover. My number one is lowly worm the worm from richard scary's books uh very much the hero uh of the of the richard scary books and yeah just remember getting those huge richard scary books as a kid and with so much going on on a page in busy town you'd always be looking for lowly worm that was the thing you'd be looking for where's lowly worm what's he doing and he'd be doing something great he was a real heroic character this is a worm he has no limbs, you know, and he'd still be managing to like rescue someone by wrapping himself around them or throwing a, 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 a life ring. And he'd be climbing up a lamppost to fix the broken lamppost. And he'd be being a policeman on the next page and just doing everything. And, you know, he'd be hanging out with Huckle Cat or whoever, but Lowly Worm was where it was at. And yeah, I think me and my sister would just be like, I think we'd call those books Lowly Worm books. Like, I want to read Lowly Worm. I want to look at Lowly Worm. It was just he's a proper hero, and to do that with a worm, it's quite an achievement. Um, I got a couple of worm facts for you as well. This going to blow your mind. Oh yeah, worms vary in size from microscopic to over one meter in length. Uh, for marine polychaeate worms, bristle worms, but check this oh, out: six point seven meters in length. For the African yeah. giant earthworm, there's a giant earthworm that's six point seven meters long. But check this out, right? The marine Nemertian worm or bootlace worm can be up to 
58 meters long. Oh, no, that is mind blowing. 58 meters. That's longer than a blue whale by a long way. Worms, crazy. <laughs> if you search for worms, the first thing that comes up is not the Wikipedia page for worms. It's an NHS uh -huh. information page about if you've got worms. I think that's good. The same is true for crabs. Google doing their job. The same is true for crabs. <laughs> the second result is Wikipedia page crabs. The first is right. NHS page for uh, pubic lice. So Yeah. Do you know what? I reckon more people do a Google on crabs and worms <laughs> hoping to get to the NHS page than they do. Just wanting to have a look at some not worm me. facts on Wikipedia. I am very proudly <laughs> looking up invertebrates, not STDs or <laughs> bum problems. So, you know. Just in case anyone was questioning that. Yeah, if you're looking through my Google history and you're like, yeah. ha, ha, he looked at worms and crabs in the same yeah. day, what a loser. Yeah. Yeah, it's because our invertebrates. Yeah. yeah. We're looking up, honestly, we're we're looking up fictional invertebrates <laughs> so we could do so we could do a podcast youtube series about our top five favorite uh fictional invertebrates mr Metcalf, that's what happened do you really that's what happened do you really expect anyone to believe this story <laughs> not plausible no great i had a weird that with this richard scary books is such a weird thing that i had them as a kid I loved them. I wasn't a, like, I wasn't aware that other people had them. Mm. I had that one of those weird things where I thought they were so much like a thing that I had and no one else knew about. It was like later in life when I was, it sort of blew my mind that other people knew what they were. I wasn't really aware. Like, like I, I think in like a few years ago, wasn't there like an animated series or something? Yeah. But as a kid, I wasn't really even aware that other people knew. But they about weren't it. like merchandised or anything much when we. Were, I mm. think they were more in the in the in the early seventies and stuff. Yeah. I had one that was called Richard Scary Omnibus, yeah, and it was all the characters on a bus, <laughs> and so like that word was like, like the more we go, oh, like omnibus, mm. the East Enders omnibus, like omnibus, yeah. The the word omnibus was a big a big word for me growing up. I like it, and it's a very pleasing, still a pleasing a word. word. Omnibus. It's a nice. Omnibus. It's nice to think that my dad used to take the omnibus to school sometimes. You know that kind of thing, like when it really was an omnibus as well. Yeah, great. Now I think which is going is amazing. I remember they they, my sister's got like a a lowly worm. I think it's, I think it's an apple on wheels with him coming out of it or something. So it was like a, it was like a, yeah. like a toy they did, and they did that about twenty years ago, and that was like the first time we'd seen anything merchandised from it. She was like, "I've got to have that," and she still always has it around. You know, I think she's just, she's just moved house. I think it's, it's definitely would have gone with taking a pride of place. It's just, I don't know, they're they're special books, and as an adult reading them with kids, it's like this is really boring. I don't want to read you the story. You're just supposed to look at the pictures, and they're like, "What does this say? What does this say? What does this say?" Because everything's labelled. It's a good book to have learnt to read before you get really into it as well. But then you're less into it. I don't know. It's tricky. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't, yeah, you're right. I, it's more like, yeah, it's all definitely illustration that I like about it. I can't remember the stories at all, but like it is like it, they're they're great. They're great illustrations. Really pleasing. 
Yeah, and um, it's got this weird thing because I think he's, I think he's Swiss or Austrian. He's Austrian, and then moved to America. So it has this real Americanness about it. But some of the drawings are really mm. European looking, and he has like windmills yes. and kind of very European buildings. And and there's often like uh, like traditional kind of like Swiss dress and things in it, or right, like exactly. So it's got yeah, it's, it's, all that kind of stuff. It's got it. a very uh, international sort of feel to it you know is no one particular place and they yeah it's, yeah it's 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 and obviously something my mum was really keen on as well like uh yeah she was she was obviously like um this is the good stuff because i remember she would buy lots of scary stuff for my niece and things it, that kind of yeah so it's obviously something that was like known as a kind of this is this is the stuff yeah and that made me think ah i guess yeah i guess this would have been something i was really into as well yeah, it makes sense and it, it's makes sense. full of factual stuff do you know what i mean it's like full of like and there's the barber and next to the barber is the baker and then next to that is the shoemaker and like you, you know every page is full of information and, and there's definite times when you're little kids where you that's what you want you just want loads of information you know and there's the kind of books that give it to you just tons of information about the world and it gives you a chance to ask questions and, and get told stuff which is scary, great, and Lowly Worm, a fantastic central character who is, I think, always silent and uh, brilliant. Love him. My number one isn't Lowly Worm. It is Jiminy Cricket. Cool. Uh, uh, specifically Jiminy Cricket from Disney's Pinocchio. Um, and, you know, he is one of those characters which has sort of survived the film he was made for and he is kind of made for the film in the book um he there is a cricket in it he's not named jiminy because uh, it's of course a folksy american saying is what he's named after in the book there is a cricket who talks but um he sort of does have the same function but is killed by pinocchio at the start of the book as but in a quite a good kind of you know creepy fairy tale way is Pinocchio just snaps a, a, a mallet on him and crushes him. Um, but then later on, his ghost comes back. And so he gets to, to almost be a conscience in that way to be like, you didn't really need to do that, did you? There was no need for to to kill me. So he's just a talking <laughs> cricket. But I think in a, in a nice way, Disney has taken that and gone, oh, right, well, he's kind of correct. He's like a correcting character. Mm. And the idea that... I really like the idea of having a um, a conscience as a friend. Yeah, I think, and I think it's a, a thing. Certainly, for my own kind of moral character, I always kind of think of that kind of, you know, uh, is it the right thing to do? And almost having a conversation with yourself about your own kind of morals and your choices, I think, is quite a nice idea, and and probably bettered by disney as often it might be like it's it's a really great idea to as a personification of a conscience is is a really good one and again that character has uh you know is is now a sort of disney uh part of the disney stable and yeah. appears in merchandise and shows up in other things he gets to be uh when you wish upon a star as well he yeah. gets to sing the big song uh one of the big big songs in it it's kind of it's the it's the sort of national anthem of Disneyland, isn't it? When you wish upon a star, yeah, it plays it's, it's it plays, plays over the, the logo and stuff. Yeah, yeah, 
Um, yeah, I think it's uh, he's my number one. I think I think that that film is is one of my favorite films easily. It's in it's in kind of probably my top ten. I think it's sort of I think it's the height of Disney. I think it's the one where you look at and there's not. I mean, it's it's in the in this sort of academy ratio, so it is the sort of four by three square. Mm. But you can look at any bit of that screen, and there's no shortcuts. It's it almost looks like everything's animated or painted, and it's all beautiful, mm. and it moves. And you can you can take Pinocchio and be like, this is where like they really are, like. I mean, they're obviously trying to do it. Like something like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is such an impressive film. And they all are in that very early era. And yet it's almost the sort of height of it, of just craft, I think, is like Pinocchio as well, where you can almost, you could take a little square of any bit of the screen and there's something going on. There's probably something animated. And if it isn't, it's it's beautiful painting. Mm. Um I, yeah, I think that's I think that's an incredible film, Pinocchio. The, and I think it sort of it had such an effect on me. I think as a kid, the character of um, Jiminy Cricket to me is a very you sort of a very you sort of Hollywoody sort of man. You know what I mean? Like it's the kind of guy. Like do you, who does the? Do you know who does the voice? I did know. I looked it up, it, but it was it's one of those. A, it's yeah, not it's one of those one. guys. It's not a big actor. It's one of the guys who has been, no, it's not a big actor, but he's one of those voice guys who's right. like, you know, he's like a a classic voice guy. But it has the feeling of like a classic Hollywood sort of film star. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it could be, it could be, it's a wonderful life. It could be a, you know, a, mm. a, I mean, yeah, a Hitchcock it's or something. the Americana yeah. kind of version of it for sure. Yeah. In a, in a, again, in a kind of European, weird pan-European, where's this set? Yeah. With lots of kind of, you know, but he's like a kind of, you know, I guess he's sort of the audience as well. Yeah. He's the, the audience watching it. I haven't watched that a long time. Number one. I'll, I'll try and get convince the kids to watch it, but I can't tell scary them it's not one. scary. They're like, they oh, don't want to watch any films because they think they're scary. And then, and then they ask me like, is it a scary one? And I can't look at them in the eye and be like, <laughs> nope, Pinocchio is not a scary film. There's just no way I can tell them that. Mild to extreme peril. Yeah, that's kind of, I think there's extreme peril in that. There's some extreme peril in Pinocchio. Great movie there. Top notch. Good number one. I got some other ones. So I almost had Termites from Mars, which is a it's there it's an episode of Woody Woodpecker from the fifties, right? Nineteen fifty two. You can find it on YouTube. Termites from Mars. And it came up in my brain because I was looking down the list of invertebrates. And it was like ants, blah, 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 termites. I was like Oh, where have I seen these amazing termites? And <laughs> it's a Martian invasion, right? And everyone on Earth's going crazy. Nah, the Martians are invading. They've looked, this guy in the observatory has looked up and he's seen all these spaceships leaving Mars and heading down to Earth. Anyway, when the, everyone goes crazy, when they land on Earth, the spaceships are like 10 centimeters tall. And out of them get all these Martian termites and they're little green guys with jagged mouths, tiny. And they like parachute out of the spaceships and just start eating all the wood in Woody Woodpecker's house. And uh, it's a fantastic cartoon. Like he, he, he then they're eating up his whole house because he freaks out like termites freaks out. Then he covers everything in the woods with um, 
termite tape, sticky termite tape, and they all stick to it. And then he makes his own business with, with termites that he's using for like can openers, pencil sharpeners. And the last shot of the cartoon is him playing a record using the termites spiky tail as the needle on the end of the tone arm and the termites mouth opens up and out comes the sound of the record. So that, I think that's one of the reasons why it's stuck in my head, but they're just fantastic. Termites, termites are a real gift to uh, people making cartoons in the, between the forties and the seventies. They were like, Oh, we've got to have like a termites one. Every, every, that was like a big, every, big deal. Every American cartoon growing up had termites in it. And I'd be like, yeah. I have no idea what that is. You know, termites yeah. everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely huge. <laughs> yeah, Atom Ant you mentioned. Another ant is uh, Pants Ant. You know the Wood. You remember the Woodrow Phoenix character from yes, Sugar Buzz? Of course. Shout out to Woodrow Phoenix. Um, that's a great one. That's like a love letter to fifties, um, you know, cartoon characters as well. Uh, yeah, I do think like insects really do go well for you know cartoon characters and stuff. It's, they don't get much love in other areas of fiction but cartoons yeah definitely. yeah uh i've got anansi the spider-man from west african and caribbean sort of folklore yeah had all those stories to get told yeah yeah me too at school yeah yeah, yeah. at school and it, yeah school and we used to have like a tape of anansi stories and stuff and i i really like that kind of uh oral tradition passed down thing where every country every region will have their slightly different version of the story you know so they've got anansi stories in jamaica that are different from the west african ones you know and because they've adapted them and made them relevant and they change the the flora and fauna that take up parts of the story to to match with their things and and, and then they, you you get southern united states ones which again the story's been carried across another sea and changed and yeah it's a, it's a fantastic but even all those tradition. things i find yeah and and i like how all those uh those characters are kind of the same character in different cultures i love all that yeah. stuff I find it fascinating all those kind of brer rabbit you type things are kind of like like i think some of them are the same story like as a kid and like it's one of those things that no one actually gives you a proper explanation for but you go this story is the same as one of the Anansi stories, yeah, right? You got Anansi, it's the same story. You have Brer yeah. Rabbit, and then you'll have Loki, and you'll have, you know, uh, Pan or something. Coyote. These guys are, yeah, all these guys are doing the same thing. These, these lords of mischief, you know I mean? These lords of, mm. and storytellers and stuff. It's great. And yeah, Anansi as well. It can be literally a spider. It can be just a man. It can be a man with a spider's head or six eight legs or, i think as yeah. a kid as well we would knew him as anansi the spider-man yeah and there was always that sense of like spider-man exactly was it i definitely didn't <laughs> put spider-man or dr octopus or any or the wasp or ant-man on my list oh no they, they all have oh they no. all have vertebrae very much they all have backbones yeah uh, superheroes have a particularly strong backbone but uh another one that i don't think you can have is cthulhu the uh the oh, octopus-headed, yeah. you know, yeah. evil god or whatever he is, because I'm pretty sure he has a spine. He just has an octopus face. I don't, yeah, I'm not sure about Cthulhu. I've, I haven't read any H.P. Lovecraft. I only know of it through other things. But my understanding is that it's some sort of old ancient god. So whether it even has a corporeal form or not, I'm not sure. 
and I, my understanding is that he's just described various ways and so there isn't a definitive almost like I think the idea is he's described to be almost indescribable. Yeah. So you can't, you can't even imagine what it looks like, but basically sort of a bit like an octopus, but you can't imagine it. Yeah. You can't imagine it. You blow your mind if you saw it. A bit like an octopus. That's how I kind of, I mean, if anything, that was me reading from a passage of H.P. Lovecraft. That's how he there. writes. Yeah, famous. That's how he writes. Yeah, that's how he writes. That's how he made all those hit, hit records. Um, Pepe the King Prawn, <laughs> who turned up on our honourable mentions for the Muppets, for the Puppets one. Pepe the King mm. Prawn is a, it's a top prawn, fictional prawn. It is good. It is good. And Jacques, the cleaner shrimp from Finding Nemo. Do you remember him? In the dentist's uh, office at the end where they have the fish tank. Yes. And he comes out and he cleans up cleans up Nemo and then shuts himself back in his cave. Uh, um, about worms, I remembered... The Langton Worm. Did you know that rhyme about the Langton Worm? Yeah. I don't know if this particularly northern thing, but it was. It's an idea of. It's like a kind of. A knight has to go and visit the Langton Worm, but no one can beat it. It will just like crush you. It'll crush you. You can't kill it. Um, if you cut it, it will go back together. <laughs> it's like impossible to kill, um, and it will just eventually. As much as you hit it and try and cut it up. It's fine. It will just go back together. So, and it will just go around you eventually and crush you. No one can do it. So eventually a guy says, oh, I'll come to your village. And if you give me so much money, I'll kill the Langton worm. And they go, you won't do it. You won't be able to kill the Langton worm. And what he does is he fashions his armor with spikes on. And every time the worm tries to do it, he's getting spiked. And then he, he takes the fight to the stream. And then when he cuts uh, bits off the worm, it gets washed away in the tide. Great story, Langton Worm. I don't know the Langton check it Worm. Out. Check it out, kids. I'll check that one out. Check it out. Good worm, great worm. Good worm. Although baddie, baddie worm, not a great guy. I've got two two snails, worm. two snails for you. I've got mm -hmm. the racing snail from Never Any Story, as piloted by Deep Roy. Yeah. Very close to being on my list, but I realised I was more interested in the pilot than the... Yeah, the snail himself the doesn't snail. get to do that much, really, does he? But it's great that it goes fast. It's a fun it's, idea. Yeah. Uh, and Brian the snail from Magic Roundabout. We've been criticised yeah. in the past for missing out on Magic Roundabout opportunities. Uh, I think we have, we have, we've given him honourable mentions yeah. in a kind of... But sure, yeah. absolutely. Brian the snail is quite a good one. Um, I've got to shout out some Pokemon as well got okay. Scyther, who's like a a uh, sort of cricket grasshopper type thing cool one of the original 151 and then but then his evolved form from the second batch of pokemon is sizor who's all like red and metal and has like pincers that's cool i, I don't know if he's an invert but because probably he's like stands on his back legs so i don't know but he's based on an invertebrate and octillery which is one of the now they have a number of octopus-based Pokemon, but he was the first, mm. and he's good. And he evolves from a fish, which is weird. Why would a fish turn into a octopus? So, does is he a fish Pokemon first? Yeah. Was he originally a fish Pokemon and then evolves into? Yeah. That? Okay. But there looks nothing like it and changes color. I don't. I think they dropped the ball okay. with that one a bit as as evolutions go. Are any of them? Do any of them become invertebrates? so yeah like that i guess yeah so i guess the like fish does yeah yeah and he's a fish and then he becomes an octopus i never really understood that one maybe i'm remembering it wrong i'm sure somebody will tell me but uh 
there's also obviously quite a lot of invertebrates in your in there's almost a thousand Pokemon now, so he's 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 way up there. Yeah. Pokemon one hundred and fifty or more probably. to to see. There's nine hundred whatever. Yeah. Wow. Something now. I think that's is that most of my ones? Yeah, you got any more? No, I sort of had a few, but like I was I really I really nailed it down. I think I really got got down to my top five. Um and it yeah, I was I was like very happy with my top five when I hit it. Yeah, it's good. I was like, yeah, that's it. That's it. Very, in. I'm very pleased to have had a worm in mind. I think I could have had all spiders. Like you could do top five spiders and include Spider Man and stuff. You know, sort of anything with spider mm, in the title. Yeah. Possibly even a a Ferrari spider. You know, there's lots of cars you could have. You could have other yeah, you know, there's but yeah, I think a worm I'm glad to have. Two spiders, caterpillar, moth. It's good. It's not your it's not your average things to get love. Mm-hmm. Do you think um, do you think your four year old will be uh, pleased with this one? No, I don't think she will because I've only included one character that she knows. She she, okay. she knows Lowly Worm, but she doesn't watch Bugs Life because it's a film, so it'll be scary. Okay. Well, no, it's not very scary, is it? I think hey, you might be all right. I don't know. I guess it's length of time, right? <sighs> Just. It's the music. It's the music that does it. I just want to watch kids' films with my kids. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> Maybe you should start playing some perilous music, just the music, in sort of uh, around the house. I do. So they get used to the idea. I do. Okay. They asked me to take it off. Okay. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe I need to like give them some sleeping pills or something first. You know what Doesn't I mean? sound like a good Sedate plan. Sedate them. <laughs> so they can't get too worried. They're just like, oh, what's this? Looks like it's good. Can it's I go to be sleep? Fine. No, you can't go to sleep. You've got to watch. you got to watch a film. you got to watch... watch a kid's film with me. Yeah. You've got to watch Mothra versus Godzilla. <laughs> Probably, weirdly probably a film which isn't remotely scary no not at all they just find that sort of boring probably mm. funny and then boring yeah um yeah. let us know your favorite fictional invertebrates you can let us know your your uh favorite real invertebrates as well it should be octopus because yeah. they're far and away the best invertebrate but um yeah you know i'm sure you've all got your own top five fictional invertebrates. yeah you will have this is the sort of thing you'll all have to hand i'm sure yeah, but, uh, you've already been writing these down. So this is an easy one for you to just dig out the list you've already got, perhaps pin to the fridge that you occasionally alter and see who comes in and out of the top five. But you've all got them. You yeah. know, you all, you all have them somewhere. Give us a comment. Give us a review. You can give us a review on iTunes. We like the reviews on there. They're good. Very nice. It must be the end of the episode because I'm starting to cough. And that's all from me. Is that all from you? Yeah, because I'm on a coughing fit. See you later. Invertebrate fans. <laughs>